if, if you had the opportunity right now, and some of y'all have some, some sunglasses on, so I can't see what's happening behind them cool shades, but if you had the opportunity right now to just close your eyes and think of the first image that comes to mind when I say Father, who comes to mind? And for me, the, the first image that came to mind when I, when I did that before celebrating with you guys today uh, was, was a man whose image is tarnished, but when I was growing up, uh, he was the model father, Heathcliff Huxtable. This man had, had what seemed like it all. This man was a doctor with money. He had all the right jokes that seemed to pop off at the right time. He had kids that always got in some type of mayhem. But at the end of the day, there always seemed to be a perfect resolution where they just laughed away the pain. He had a, a wife that he talked with that supported him and he supported her. And even though they were a, they were a family, like 90% of the show was filmed at the house. So you got kind of insight into their life as a family. And Mr. Huxtable is the first person that came to mind. Maybe if you're a little bit a generation earlier, you might think of Ward Cleaver. Oh, y'all, y'all have see some of the young folk. They don't know about that, Edith. Come on, Roy, they don't know about that. But, but maybe there's an image of a family with a father in it that comes to mind. I want to take some time today to allow us to see a godly picture of a family and how God describes fatherhood. We know that as we describe and talk about fatherhood, it doesn't mean that none of the rules apply for women. Because as we learn from fathers, these are godly principles and women can apply them as well. Just as on Mother's Day, we celebrate the beauty of mothers and men better be listening. And so we recognize that these values are beautiful, but there's some uniqueness that happens within fatherhood. And I think Psalm chapter 128 will help us understand that. And so if you can, please turn to Psalm chapter 128. It's a, a short psalm, and I'm not even going to cover all of it. But I want you to be able to hear from the Lord. Psalm chapter 128, and it reads, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Behold, thus shall, be the, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Family, there's a, a, a genuine faith that has to be present and is a part of the foundation of what it is to be a man. But there's this kind of play on the word fear. We know that fear can have multiple meanings. 
fear is something when we revere and see it in the eyes of the Lord is, is not a simply a cowering and a running from God. It is a reverence, a holy celebration and honoring of who God is. And so we rightly put him in his place and say, Father, you are awesome. And our fear is of a God who created us and a God who we trust and a God who we believe in. And so fear of God is totally appropriate. Actually, not simply appropriate. Fear of God is mandatory. You cannot have faith unless you fear the beauty of who God is. Because what you're saying is this God is above all things. He is majestic. He is holy. He's created everything. And so if he has all power, then I want to put him in the right place. But then there's another type of fear. Because see, that type of fear is a type of fear that will lead you as a father to do stuff that you don't understand why you're doing it, but you know God is in it. Like an like a Abraham Isaac type experience where everything in your body says, no, I shouldn't be doing this, but it's clear that God is leading me, so I'm going to go for it. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm take these steps. I can't step outside the camera's view. My fault, y'all. Um, I'm, I'm going to take these steps. And so I've seen... Men serve faithfully. I've seen men say, I feel God telling me that it is my call to go not simply around the drug house, not simply pass by it and send a prayer up. I've had men say, God told me, walk up in there. Go talk to them. Go be the presence that they have yet to see, which is a godly man of courage and go love on them when everything in their body has said, what, Lord? You, you know, you, you know what you know what they doing? I've, I've seen it happen in some other ways, too, where where. A, a brother just catches out the side of his eye to glance at a beautiful woman, and he's going somewhere out of time, doesn't have money, and just feels the Lord say, go talk to her. Go, go, go talk to her. I don't know you from Adam. I'm taking a risk here, and next thing you know, a year and a half later, we at the wedding, y'all. Nothing, everything in me had me going this way, and then something shifted me, and before I knew it, I just felt the Lord saying, go. Like, 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 like fear and trusting and believing that this God is who he is will totally have you doing some things that might be out of character, might be out of your norm, but acknowledges and celebrates that you see God in the right place. And so even when it goes against the very being of your flesh, you saying flesh submit because God is worth being reverenced. So we get that. But then there's another kind of fear. There's a fear that is present when we as men are not willing to do what God calls us to or when we are willing to compromise and be either complacent 
or not even take a risk for fear of failure. You see, on one hand, complacency comes from being so scared that you do nothing. And that type of fear comes from either fear of man and what man will do to you and what man thinks of you and what man thinks of us or fear of failure. And fear of failure puts failure above God's sovereignty. It it raises the bar of the power of failure and leads us to something that is unbiblical, which is that God can't use failure. As as if God can't use failure. Do y'all know this brother? I I came past him. Do y'all know a brother named Michael Bowman? Anybody know Michael Bowman? Not, Not the singer, not the not the. The dude with the long, flowy mullet. Not, not that Michael. Not that Mike. I'm, oh, that's Michael Bolton. My fault. Um, <laughs> Michael Bowman. This brother was from uh, Batavia, Illinois. Let me tell you, Mike, Michael came up with this idea. He said, you know what? I want to be able to cook some grub, and I want to be able to cook it indoors, but I want to be able to have it so that, like, all the fat and stuff like that, like, that usually drips off from the grill and goes in the bottom of the grill. I can't do that outside, so let me go ahead in the house. I want to be able to do that in the house. So he came up with this idea, this like fajita grilling machine, and he he tried to uh, go to these trade shows, and people shot him down. He got connected to a little bit of a bigger business, and they shot him down. That, That business continued to try to get this stuff out, and nobody liked it at all. And then one day, the business that he was connected to started meeting with this man who who was a boxer. They started talking with this boxer and saying, hey, we got this idea, this idea we've shopped around for years and nobody likes it, but but we think it's a hit. We just can't get nobody to like it. Mind you, this boxer had fought against the greatest. He fought against Muhammad Ali. He was at one point the title holder, the championship of the world, and he lost the title. So now you have two men from, from failures actually coming together. And they start to sell this thing called the George Foreman Grill. Y'all might have seen me celebrate a little bit about that a week or two ago uh, as I was cooking some, cooking some little burgers up on it. But the, but, but the story goes that George Foreman started selling the lean, green, lean, mean grilling machine. And it took off, took off failure after failure after failure after failure and then a success. And you want to know success. George Foreman sold over 100 million grilling machines. He surpassed any amount of money he ever made as a boxer. And he was the world champion holder. Do you you see how even the world gets that, 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 that you go for it even in the midst of failure? Don't you let failure stop you taking the risk of success? 
if the world gets it, what about us with God, men? We have a God who is created all things in charge of all things. And so how dare we allow our risk of take our, our fear of taking a risk because of failure and 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 as if he can't use our failures to make us even greater. This is the God we serve. He will use all things. And so take the risk. I, I, I'm not saying I never get scared. I'm not saying we never get scared. But the issue happens when scared, being scared paralyzes us. And it leads us to complacency or not even being willing to take a risk for the king. And so we fear God because of who he is. But we will not fear man or fear taking a risk. I, I, I wish I'm, I'm, I'm repping today. I don't know if y'all can see me. I'm going to try to get up, try to get up in the camera. We're repping today, elevate faith over fear, and we're excited. And thank you for all the sisters being a blessing to us as men. We're grateful. But, but, but I, I want to do like a, another T-shirt, T-shirt on the front that say, fear the Lord always. And on the back it says, fear men and failure never. Fear the Lord always. Fear man and failure never. Because we serve an amazing God, a mighty God. What up, James? And so we then go from verse 1 to verse 2. And verse 2 says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be with you. It shall be with you. This is this is now as you honor and understand the God that you serve. Allow that to move into your work ethic. Allow that to move into men, how you go about doing life. And you're going to wonder why I'm saying men and it's coming here in a second. But that, that's supposed to have an effect on how you work. Why? Because you have a posture of knowing that all of your work, all that you do, everything that flows from you is because God blessed it. We, 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 in fearing God, he puts us in a place of being grateful, being thankful recognizing that he is who he is and so everything I have is because of who he is and so I'm grateful and now even when I work and he touches my work and he expects me to work hard and be a man of excellence when I work even when I work I look back and say dang God look what you did look look at your blessings all over my work it's not me and my work ethic being so amazing that i produced all this it's me stepping back and saying because i fear you because you are holy because you are good because you are right because i can trust you with my fears and know that you got me i stand blessed and so we we do pause and look at the fruit of our labor, but it's not because of our own strength. It's because we are grateful for God blessing us. It's, uh, it's, in, it's interesting. This text is a text 
that, that they say is in two environments and you have commentators, theologians, and pastors on two sides of the coin for understanding this psalm. There's two contexts. The first context is that it's spoken to a, a family at a wedding specifically to the man. Because if you see in verse um, 2 as well as in verse 3, every time it says you shall, your hands, you shall, that's in the masculine, which means man, singular, which means one man. Masculine plural will be y'all men, and sometimes there's a masculine and feminine, which means y'all Man, everybody together. But this time, if you look at the Hebrew translation of it, it's just masculine man, singular one man. So they think that the environment is a wedding where the, the leader is speaking directly to the husband. And he's saying, husband, fear the Lord. Husband, let your work be a blessing unto God and you acknowledge that God is the one who's blessed you with all that you have and he's going to touch that thing. So that's one of the environments. The other environment is actually a, 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 a picture of a family at, at a community festival, kind of like we chilling right here outside. I wish I could flip the thing around and you all could see some of the families on the blankets chilling. But for, for y'all that's here, it's kind of like the Samson's that's right here in the front. And, and this second environment is one where the leader of the festival is speaking to all the families, but directly speaking to the man. And he's going to say, now, man, as I look at you and as I'm talking to you, these are things that you're going to pass to your wife and pass to your children. And so there is a, a, a direct charge, and whether it's at the wedding day, oh, sorry, y'all, I keep moving out the camp. And whether it's at the wedding day or whether it is in, in the festival environment, it's a direct charge to men. And for the sake of, of my, my day where I get to celebrate Christ, I'm going to choose the latter. I'm going to choose the family environment. While I don't think you can go wrong with either, I'm choosing the family environment today because it just helps with all my illustrations, so... Got it. But what, what happens then is now you're looking in the context of fatherhood, and, and verse 3 helps you understand two aspects of fatherhood that are extremely important. Verse 3. First part of verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. So now you fear God. You got him in the, in the right place of reverence. You see that everything you touch is blessed. And then you are continuing to be grateful because you recognize it wasn't your cool goatee or your lineup or your cool words that you had. It was actually God that blessed you with this wife. We're continuing with the pattern of gratefulness. So now you are grateful for this woman in your life and and. There's a few verses that help unpack what it means when you have a wife that is fruit, a fruitful vine. I'm going to give you three. There's so many more to help it. I'm going to just give you three main points. 
Point number one, you will find in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14. I know y'all was already there because y'all like ahead of me with the Bible. Y'all was like, oh, this is the point of Proverbs 19, 14. Cool. I'm happy you was already there. It says this. It says, house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. House and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. What does prudent mean? Prudent means gentle of spirit as well as wise. That that you see her counsel as something that is valuable. And as a father and as a husband, you're saying, "Uh uh-oh, God has blessed me. Bless me with somebody who is who is caring and gentle, but also wise. So it's quite, quite smart of me to ask her what she think. Not not because I have to. Not because I'm just supposed to. But because I want to. But, but because I see her as wise. And so fathers, as we submit to Christ and we honor him and fear him and reverence him, and we know he's touching and blessing our, all the work we do, we also are honoring and seeing our wives as a valuable part of this beautiful union and that she is prudent given to me by God. That's what it looks like to walk as a father, to walk as a husband. So she's prudent, she's, she's gentle, she's wise, but also she's a blessing unto the family. And so that, that kind of olive tree symbolized uh, growth, it symbolized uh, life, it symbolized flourishing. And so there's a, a beautiful aspect to what it means to, to just be joyful with your wife and joyful with every gift God gives you. As, a, as the fruit of you guys' union. And I know that for, 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 for many, the beautiful uh, aspect of children is a tough one because sometimes the kids who bring you the biggest smile are the kids that you just somehow found a way to put in that headlock. These beautiful little gifts God gives us. Come here, little gift. Let me show you what I'm about to do with. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, and, and, and so we are grateful for, for our wives being a blessing to us in that way. But we're also grateful to have them as we long for children. It, this doesn't, being, being a father is not simply defined by that because father. Hood is expressed all throughout the community. I have a man who, who doesn't know it, but his name was uh, Paul Hill. My, my biological dad, an amazing man who I'm really close with, uh, who's my, one of my greatest champions, uh, there was a season where we weren't as close. And my, uh, my stepfather, who provided for our family, Loved me as if I were his own. In um, more in recent, in some years, uh, there were times where I considered changing my last name to his because I, I knew how much he loved me. Um, but there was a season where my biological dad was not present, and my my uh, my stepdad just worked hard, hardworking man. And my grandmother got me involved in this program. Of the, it was not a discipleship program, it was a rite of passage program for black males in the community. 
And so this dude named Paul Hill invested some, some great values that I still live out today of celebrating community, of honoring women, of seeing women as valuable, not as pieces of meat, like, like certain things that you don't have to be a, a father yet to walk out today. Like fatherly principles our community is longing for, and I'm grateful for many of you that allow your fatherly impact with your wife to go beyond just your circle. You allow the beautiful uh, impact of godliness to affect families that's all throughout our community, and I am grateful for that, but I want to spur you on to it. Because you could be a father today with no children. So we are gratefully celebrating how fathers with mothers are doing this life. But then there's a last aspect of the fruitful vine within your house. And I'm sorry, it gets a little uncomfortable. I didn't write the book. If you went to Song of Songs, it ain't nothing but a romantic biblical model. Sorry, a steamy romance novel from the Lord. And the last part of this fruitful vine means husbands delight in your wife. And I'm going to keep it at that PG. We got kids present, but, he, but all of those things are a part of this image of what it means to walk as a father that is rightly revering God, knowing that God is blessing all that you do. And he's given you a wife that is wise, gentle, a, a, a blessing to you and to the community in which you guys do life in and is also one who you should take great delight in. Continue with me to verse 3. Verse 3 says, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. It's, it's interesting that, that this concept of table is something that's so clear and so... It, it, it paints the picture that your mind just grasps, grasps wider away. If you've ever, like, invited someone over to your house, you know what you start doing when you're about to have visitors. Come on now, who said it? Cleaning up. You know, you somehow you under the fridge, washing stuff under the fridge, moving the stove out, cleaning. When you about to be hospitable and you know folks are coming over, you begin to prepare a space so that people can truly just kick it and enjoy and delight. I, I, I love that, that there's a, a posture of hospitality when you set your table. And one of the, the beautiful things being communicated here is that dad approaches the table in a way where the children are saying, this is my safe place. This is the place where I, where I know I can come and meet dad and have a conversation with dad, dad who fears the Lord, a father who, who honors God. And this place right here with whatever I'm struggling with is a safe place. 
is a, is a place where I'm now going to be able to experience and hear what God desires. I'm, I'm saddened that in this season we've had to, to use that safe space as, as almost a, a, an educational tool about society. We have to still allow the Bible to engage with culture. And I remember vividly when my parents had to talk with me. Not the birds and the bees talk. We talked about that in Songs of Solomon. I ain't going there so you can breathe. Not that talk. But it was the, it was, it was the talk about being a black man in America. And that talk happened in March of, I believe, 91 or 93 when there was an image of Rodney King being attacked on the screen. All I remember was I was 13 or 14 years old, and I saw it, and we had a conversation as a family. I feel like over the past month or two, we've been having conversations as families with our kids because of injustice. But fathers, that is biblical. It's biblical for you to set the safe space for your table to be the one place where everybody can come and cry out. The place where people can learn about the beauty of God. The one place where if there's no understanding that they will get understanding from you is right at the table in your home. It's beautiful because, because we are simply modeling after God. I stand as a father, a father of five, and sometimes I'm looking at God like, God, is you crazy? You made me a father of five? I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm lost in the sauce, and, and, I, and I wing it, and I say it like I really know what I'm doing, and then when they leave, I'll be like, whew, they ain't even know. <laughs> but I'm but I'm but I'm following after the model because Jesus sets a table for us as fathers. He sets a table and says, "Come to me with all that you carry." Come to me with all that you're struggling. Come to me with all of your fears. Come to me with all of your worries and your anxieties. And know I'm right here. I've been preparing for you. I'm ready to meet you, care for you, and guide for you. If you had a godly father or one that was never present, I will be here for you. Come, my son. And so we follow after the model. We follow after what Jesus has already done for us and desires to do for us. And so biblical men come to the table of Christ and then bring your family to the table of Christ. Because we are seeing these, these, these little replicas, these little mini-me's, and so verse 4 brings us towards the end of our time. Verse 4 says, Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The man that properly reveres and holds up God in the right place. The man who recognizes that all that he does 
all of his work, all of his effort, all of his energy is blessed because of who God is and what God has done in his life. And then he sits back and says, wow, look at this gift of a woman God has given me. I'm going to be grateful to God for this blessing. And then he sees his children, his children as a, as a, as a, a reflection of this godly home, and he invests in his children, pours into them, but he makes space for God to be pouring into, into us. And so that is what it means to be, to, 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 to be blessed. That's what it means to, to be walking as a blessed man who fears the Lord. I, I tried to catch you in a little bit of a, like a, a, a word uh, prompt. Because see, for me, when I hear the term father, there's like a whole slew of people that come up. And that's because I never called my father father. Like father feels a bit formal. But if I asked you, close your eyes and who do you think of when you think of daddy? My hope is that, that it will be the, the man that raised you. My hope is that in my children, it won't be a character on TV that comes to mind first, but it will be me that they envision. Because I've set a table for them to have these conversations where they feel safe and feel like they've been pointed towards Christ. I've, they see me modeling and trying to love their mother well and celebrate their mother well. My community is looking and saying, I don't know, that Stevenson family is crazy. Those, those folks is crazy, but they be trying to love on folks, and that's mama her and daddy him. And, the, and, and you get this name in the community of being a mama and a daddy as you get older. Why? Because you invested in people outside of just your circle, all with a fear and a reverence of the Lord. Family, this is what, what God is calling us to. Men, this is what God has equipped us for. And I am not expecting you to be a perfect dad. Because if there is one, he need to sit down. Because it ain't, I'm, I'm sitting with y'all. We, there's no perfect dad among us. That didn't even come out right, did it? Sorry. But y'all know what I'm saying. There's no perfect dads among us. But there's a perfect God who is saying, come to me as I lead you. I want you to be able to love and care for your family well. If you are a person that, that is walking with Jesus today, there's a, 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 a small celebration, a small point of helping you align more with Jesus, which is what role is fear playing in your life? Is fear and reverence drawing you closer to God? Or is fear of man crippling you from taking a risk for God? Closer or leaving us paralyzed? Draw closer to Christ. Faith is the only thing that counters fear. But if you don't know Jesus, 
If you are not yet walking with Christ, if you are a person who is, who is still trying to do this in and of your own strength, first you've got to understand the beauty of love and a love that has been offered to you from a father. The, the, the love of a family is one of those things that, that, that rocks us every time. It brings us to tears when you see how children delight in their siblings or how a mom and dad love on one another or a father and a son or a mother. When you see love take place within a family, it moves you. The love that the father, the love that Jesus Christ has for you. It's far greater than any love you've been able to see or experience, and we want to offer that unto you today. If you have not accepted Jesus into your life, we want to encourage you today to say a simple prayer. It's simple, but it has a lot of weight and meaning. The prayer is simply this, Lord, I believe you are in charge of everything. I ask that you forgive me for trying to lead my not life and not submit to you. Today, I want to trust you with my life. Lead me so I may serve you and fear you appropriately. It's in Jesus' name I trust. Amen.